But in the process of doing the ground-penetrating survey in the Black Cemetery in Boone, he came up with some interesting findings that there clearly were a lot of unmarked graves. Hello, all. Thanks for tuning in to another podcast episode. I am Sammy Hamp, news editor of the Appalachian, and today I am joined by Susan Keefe. Dr. Keefe is a professor emerita of anthropology here at Appalachian State University and a member of the Jonaleska Heritage Association. Today we will be talking about a grave marker to be unveiled commemorating the unmarked graves of the African-American residents of Boone who are buried in Boone Cemetery. There will be a celebration unveiling the grave marker on October 1st at 2 p.m. in the cemetery and all are welcome to attend. It will be followed by a reception of the solarium here in the Student Union. So I just want to jump right in and can we talk about how many unmarked graves are in the cemetery and like what kind of the process of discovering them looked like? Yes. So we became concerned about the cemetery about five years ago because there are only three gravestones in the black cemetery. The cemetery, the the Boone Cemetery is divided into a black section and a white section. And the white section was fenced and the black section was not and looked like a grassy knoll. But we knew there were a lot more people buried there than just the three tombstones. And um, our local... uh, historian in the Junaluska community, Sandy Hagler, identified 65 individuals who were uh, from county courthouse death certificates who were black and who were buried in the old Boone Cemetery. So we knew there were a lot of burials there that, that had gone unmarked. The town of Boone also facilitated a ground-penetrating radar survey of the black section of the cemetery last year, and they identified 165 graves in the cemetery. So clearly there were a lot more graves than we even knew from courthouse records. The courthouse burned around the turn of the century, and so uh, we were only able to collect those in the 20th century. Why was it common practice for these graves to be unmarked, and kind of how has that changed? Blacks, of course, uh, historically have had less resources than whites in in the South and elsewhere in the country. Uh, And in black cemeteries, um, it's common uh, to have of graves go unmarked except for a field stone, and that's that was the case here. So uh, there were field stones that marked the graves, but over the years the field stones had been moved or removed, and so it was difficult to tell uh, that there were any kind of markings in the, the grassy area of the black section of the cemetery. That in, in 1952, the Junaluska community started to bury people at a different cemetery outs- on the outskirts of town, the Clar- Clarissa Hill Cemetery, which is on the west side of 421. And so recent burials uh, in that cemetery, of course, have been more likely marked and have gravestones and clear records of who was buried there. But that's because in the later part of the 20th century, blacks started to make more income and get more education and were able to afford those things. How long has there been talk about installing a marker in the Boone Cemetery and what was the process to actually getting there? What did that look like? Well, the process actually started in 2007 when Dr. Tom White, who's an archaeologist in the anthropology department, did a, a small ground-penetrating survey in the, sem- in the black cemetery to try to identify a skull, the the origins of a skull that he had been 
notified of that had been found in a, uh, a dumpster. And uh, it, it did not come from the Black Cemetery. But in the process of doing the ground penetrating survey in the Black Cemetery in Boone, he came up with some interesting findings that there clearly were a lot of unmarked graves. And so he produced a report. And several years later in 2011, he presented the findings of that survey to the Junaluska community. The Junaluska community is located on the north side of Boone, above Queen Street. Having heard his survey, became interested in trying to do something to identify the graves, to mark the graves. Tom subsequently presented his report to the town of Boone's Historic Preservation Commission and to several other interested groups. And so from that, developed this uh, initiative to to put a marker in place in the cemetery. Great, yeah, and I also understand that there's been some relatively significant uh, renovations going on at the Boone Cemetery. Can you talk about how those have happened in other towns and has been involved on that as well? So in 2014, the Junaluska Heritage Association sent a letter to the Historic Preservation Commission of the town of Boone requesting that signs be put up around the Black Cemetery because it had been noticed that students were sunbathing on the lawn, that dogs were relieving themselves uh, on the lawn and so on, and, and people didn't really know it was a cemetery because there were no gravestones. So we requested of the Historic Pres- Preservation Commission to have signs erected saying that any destruction or of gravestones or grave sites is against the law in the state of North Carolina, punishable by fine or jail term or both. So the Historic Preservation Commission took interest in that, and they did go to the city council and ask, uh, for that to happen, and it did. However, it's interesting, when the signs were first erected by the city workers, they were erected around the White Cemetery because that was the noticeable cemetery that had gravestones. So anyway, the, the, the signs eventually got moved to be around the Black Cemetery. So that was in 2014. In, in 2015, the Historic Preservation Commission, having their attention put on the old Boone Cemetery, and its historic significance, began their own study. And we're looking at the cemetery as a whole, the white and the black section, and put forward a number of recommendations to the town of Boone. And those were approved in 2015. And the Historic Preservation Commission was also very helpful in figuring out the land title because there were actually five parcels of land that the cemetery covered. So ownership of those land parcels had to be determined. And in 2016, the town of Boone took ownership of the entire cemetery, the Black Cemetery and the White Cemetery. So it is now owned by the town of Boone and maintained by the town of Boone. And the town also allocated $110,000 for improvements to the cemetery, including putting a retaining wall along Brown Street where the far end of the Black Cemetery was kind of falling in, clearing large trees and brush that had grown up on the edges of the Black Cemetery, replacing the fence that originally had gone just around the White Cemetery, and now a new fence will be going around the entire cemetery, black and white sections. And also, um, they assisted in uh, siting and installing the marker for the the Black Cemetery that we are going to have installed on October 1st. Great, yeah. And I guess, what is the time frame for some of these improvements and renovations as well? They have taken place. They're still in process. They're also putting in a small 
parking lot on Howard Street <clears throat> next to the cemetery. It's taken about nine months, I think. They started, well, basically after winter was over this year in doing all these things, and they've, they've been uh, very good at moving right along with, with the renovations. Great. I'm glad to hear it. And then uh, we've been mentioning it a little bit, but I really want to talk about the Junaluska community here in mm-hmm. Boone, because as I understand it, it's one of the the oldest, the oldest continually black uh, community in Western North Carolina. Is that correct? The Junaluska community has existed since the 19th century. Its uh, its origins are unclear. There's not a lot of documentation, but we know that black people started buying land in the late 19th century, the 1890s at least and that a small number of blacks did were counted in the census in the 1890s. So the story is that it was started as a cemetery for the slaves of Jordan Council, who was the largest slave owner in Watauga County, owned property right there at the corner uh, of where 321 and 421 come together, so the crossroads of Boone. He had his general store there, and the cemetery is, of course, not very far away from that. So it started as a slave cemetery, which means it had to exist in the mid-19th century. But significant numbers of free blacks didn't start to come to this area until the late 19th century. There were, by the turn of the century, about 400 blacks who lived in Watauga County, most of those in the town of Boone, in the area known as Junaluska. The uh, local residents in Junaluska say that their story is that blacks were allowed to buy land and share crop in that part of the, or on the outskirts of town would have been at that time, as a segregated area. It's on a hill. African Americans live not only in the area where there are a lot of city streets above North Street, but they also had farms and share crop farms all the way up the mountain to Howard's Knob and over on the on the other side. So they have they have been there for a long time, many, many generations. The community was probably at its height in the forties and fifties. There were three churches, black churches at that time. The Mennonite Brethren Church, which is still there and active, the Mount Zion Holiness Church and the Boone Methodist Chapel. Uh, both of those two are are, are no longer standing. Great. Yeah, and can we just kind of talk about how the community, especially in the mid-20th century, kind of evolved with the churches there and how mm-hmm. the Methodist church started to kind of fade away mm-hmm. as the Mennonite church became more prominent? The Mennonite church was established in 1918, and it was established by white Kremer Mennonite missionaries who originally came from Crimea, area of Russia, And they came to this region because they understood that there was a need for missionaries in the Mountain South. So they came down here, and they established in Elk Park, North Carolina, a a church for all people, black and white, in the 19-aughts. It was closed down by locals because uh, who did not like the idea that um, blacks and whites might worship together. And they were told that they had to have either a church for one or the other, and so they decided that blacks were more in need, and they opened their church to the black community. They also later opened a black orphanage in Elk Park, and from there they eventually established 17 uh, small churches, black churches, throughout this area, about a four-county area, Avery, Watauga, Wilkes, 
and Caldwell counties. And today there still are six of these churches that exist. Many of those, like the Boone Mennonite Brethren Church, are now integrated uh, and have been for many years. But for a number of decades, both churches existed. They were not in competition with one another. Uh, members of the community went to both churches. They went back and forth. One would have a revival, and, and then, uh, you know, the next revival would be at the other church, and they would go to that one. So there has, has been an accommodation for all the, uh, the churches in the community. But because of the resources, especially for loans, for example, for improving the building, adding on to the building, things like that, that the Mennonite church had from the National Association, the Methodist Church had fewer resources. And also there was an incident in the 1930s, a racial incident, in which members, uh, a couple of men in the black community were hunted down by a vigilante group and murdered for some kind of thing they, they supposedly had done to some white men. That family, they were members of the Methodist Church. After that incident, almost 40 members of that family left town left Boone for the Philadelphia area, and that also led to a decline of the Methodist Church because they lost a good portion of their congregation. And then I also just want to talk about what the Junaluska community looks like today and how that's kind of changed over the last half of the 21st century as well. Uh, so I mentioned that the Junaluska community was kind of at its height in the 50s. Um, churches were full. Uh, the community was about 400 people, a lot of people related to one another. So it was a community not only of neighbors and residents, but family members. One of the problems, and this, this has to do with changing economic times, is that young people, as educational opportunities began to open up, blacks could go to college, could go to integrated schools here in the county. Their horizons started to open up, and, and uh, many young people left for jobs or to go to school elsewhere and, and did not return. Average age began to become older and older. Today, there are only about 92 African-Americans who live in the Junaluska community. Other people in the Junaluska community include, of course, whites, and especially students who have moved in because of its close proximity to the university. The land that used to be viewed as unproductive and marginal nowadays has a view. You know, it's on the hill. It overlooks the valley. It's, it's got some beautiful views. Condos have already been built in the neighborhood, and gentrification has been going on. Are there any efforts to kind of keep the, the heritage of that area and prevent gentrification from kind of running that over? So one of the reasons for the formation of the Junaluska Heritage Association that I'm a member of in 2011 had to do with the community's desire to identify, preserve, and maintain their cultural heritage and history. In the last five years, we have been at work with the help, I might say, uh, at the beginning especially, of St. Luke's Episcopal Church and the Episcopal Diocese of Western North Carolina, which funded our efforts for three years with grants. We have been working on family genealogies. African Americans, because of their history of slavery, have difficulty identifying their lineage and are very concerned about trying to better identify their lineage because their names have been given to them perhaps by white masters 
and may have changed. They have been separated from family members. The Junaluska community is very interested in trying to identify who they are by looking at their, their genealogical lineage and trying to trace family members and ancestors lines. And there are several matriarchal lineages in the community where they've been able to do that quite successfully, charting from the late 19th century to today, all of the family members and their descendants. They're also interested in oral history. And as I mentioned, we're putting together this oral history, which is going to contain the 36 life histories of these individuals from people born in the 1890s up to those born in the 1990s. They have also, especially in 2012, 13, and 14, held what they call Junaluska Jubilees. And these are celebrations, annual celebrations of their history, commemorating especially individuals from their community who were important leaders. And the first ones to be celebrated were Reverend Rhonda Horton, who was an early Mennonite minister, and uh, Reverend Rockford Hatton, also an African-American Mennonite minister. The church itself, the Mennonite Brethren Church in Boone, is going to celebrate its 100th anniversary next year. And so they will have another celebration for that. Great. And is there anything like kind of codified to stop condos from just coming in and leveling these these buildings that have been traditionally inhabited by the Janalska mm-hmm. community? Yeah. Well, that, of course, depends on individual property owners' interests. They have looked at trying to establish a historic preservation uh, neighborhood But unfortunately, a lot of the buildings in the neighborhood, although they are very old, many of them have been modified in their renovations and had vinyl siding put on them, things like that, which do not qualify uh, for historic preservation. And that includes the church itself, which has vinyl siding. So they have looked at at, at those kinds of ways of thinking about historic preservation of, of properties. But there is, at this point, there is no specific initiative that that they're, they're working towards. Okay, great. Yeah, and I just want to end by asking, why do you think it's important to erect a monument like the grave marker presi- preserving this part of Boone's history? Well, Americans tend to be pretty short-sighted in their view of history, and we think something from 1950 is old. I think we can all agree that it's important for our identity, for our sense of community, for our pride in knowing who we are, that we preserve the history that we do have around us. Graveyards represent a particular aspect of that history. It is the resting place of individuals who lived here and had families and businesses and uh, worked in the community and political leaders who led the community. And it's important that we remember them. Okay, great. Well, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I was very happy to be here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This show is produced by me, Sammy Hanf, news editor at the Appalachian. And as ever, if you want more campus updates, go right on over to theappalachianonline.com or check our Twitter or check our Facebook or check our Instagram for more updates. As ever, this podcast is a bi-monthly podcast to be released every other Thursday, so don't be looking for it next Thursday, but the Thursday after that. Once again, thanks all for listening. Goodbye.